everybody here. Call the meeting to order City of University Heights City Council meeting. Today is Tuesday, January 14th. Thanks everyone for coming. Uh, we have a nice audience today. Um, welcome again and uh, we have all five council present and the first order of business is swearing in the mayor and city council by our uh, city attorney Steve Ballard okay so uh, the the council members actually signed their uh, their formal oath of office as required by Iowa law before the first of January so this will be our, our uh, our ceremonial swearing. So if you'd all like to stand up, all of you elected officials, and raise your right hand. And um, there'll be, be a place where you need to say your name. I guess you'll figure that out. And then your office, so council members are mayor. So if you will. So I, state your name. Louise Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will support the Constitution. Of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Iowa, and that I will faithfully and impartially, and that I will faithfully and impartially, to the best of my ability, to the best of my ability, discharge all the duties of the office, discharge all the duties of the office of City Council Member Mayor, of City Council Member Mayor. In University Heights, in University Heights, Johnson County, Iowa, Johnson County, Iowa, as now or hereafter required by law. As now or hereafter required by law. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay. Um, now we're going to have public input, and I just wanted to review uh, the public input rules council rules a little bit since it's the beginning of the year um, you're limited to five minutes and I kindly ask that you only speak once during the meeting and that's at public input and you can speak on any subject on the agenda or not on the agenda and if you have it's not a real question and answer but if you do have some questions and staff or council can, and or I can answer your question in a short period of time we will try but if we might have to get back to you at a later time and so but I don't want to discourage anyone from speaking to the council uh, if anyone like to speak uh, we have the microphone right up here now would anyone like to come up and speak to the council tonight Hello. Hi. I'm John Irvine. Um, and you live on Lemur. Six Lemur, yep. Uh, I've been here about a thousand times. We've talked about the same thing each time. Um, you guys have extended the moratorium on rental permits for eight to nine months, correct, previously? Well, I think it was in six months ago, maybe. I think it was a little longer. Was it? Either way, six to eight to nine months. I'm wondering what you've accomplished since that's happened because I think you're trying to extend it further and I'm wondering how this council, council is going to actually do anything about it instead of just keep extending it over and over and over and over again. Because from what I understand, and Lisa could correct me, nothing has been done about it since. 
Well, very little has, and I'll try to answer your question quickly. Very little has because we haven't had a rental inspector. And a rental inspector he resigned. Quit, right. He resigned, and then we've been looking why. for a rental inspector. And tonight we're going to bring forward a rental inspector and then meet. The plan is to have a special meeting on rentals. So, yes, the moratorium will need to be extended some. But as soon as decisions are made with that, uh, even if the moratorium uh, is extended for a month or two or three or four, they will rescind it after after so they just make decisions. For the rational thinkers in the room yes. during that eight to nine month period you couldn't have hired an inspector during that period well we had an inspector in place sure but then he resigned and there was a hiatus of no one but that was still right. ample time to replace right. him well so it, what was done during then nothing was done during then correct so you're asking people to put their livelihoods just on pause and trying to control other people's properties so they pay property taxes for why because you don't want to lift a finger to get it done or what's the reason well because i just it's a explained problem. it to you what's that i just explained it to you it was just the issue of the inspector that could have been handled much quicker and more efficiently that's the answer that's the answer okay and then once now that you've got one coming forward what can we expect for progress well we'll see in a third of the time that was given in the initial moratorium well, this because is I, uh, what i'm trying to spell out is that i don't have faith that you can accomplish what you couldn't in eight months in three or four or five. So I'm just looking for answers. Well, let's let's give this council, uh, they heard what you have to say and we'll see how it works out, okay? And okay. I hear your frustration. Right, because sure it's not too. your property to have control over. It's the right. ones who have paid for it. I hear your frustration, Paid property taxes Joe. for it and there's Thank a you. slew of other issues that need to be resolved quickly. Right. Thank you. Okay, Mike, you want to speak? Mike Ritchie, 20 Olive Court. Um, with In reference to uh, John's uh, concerns on this thing, while the City Council is getting a grip on uh, what's happened in the past as far as these rentals, we still have... Uh, uh, can issue a temporary rental permit to some people that applied to it. Is that not correct? Chris, do we have the, some? Um, I mean, we had R3. The temporary permits were for two years. Um, and we have that finishing up this fiscal year. So I don't know what the council is going to do with that. But, but in the meantime, right now, we could issue, if somebody came up and applied for a rental permit like John or something on there right now, we could issue him a uh, permit, a temporary permit for two years until the city council resolves these issues on the rentals. What I remember being told was no, I couldn't since there was a moratorium on new properties. Did, did the moratorium also go towards uh, the, the the temporary permits also? Yeah. As I remember, it, okay. yes. All right. Yeah, it's it's current ones it doesn't affect, but new ones it affects, okay. and the temporary would be a new one. All right. So I want to know. Thank you, Mike. Would anyone else like to speak? Okay, thank you. Um, we'll go to what? Oh, the approval of the minutes. Did I miss that? Approval of minutes. There it is. December tenth, regular council meeting. Thank you. Um, 
is there the minutes were uh, sent by Chris are there any additions or corrections hearing none, the minutes will be approved by unanimous consent so then we'll go to streets and sidewalks and um, I uh, I asked Mark Phelps who's our snow contractor to come and meet the council and uh, uh, I thought you could we, when we spoke on the phone I thought you know you could talk about uh, some of the things that you do and uh, you we're doing with Iowa City and the trade that we're kind of doing oh okay um, so we I don't remember his name that was from the city of Iowa City is it Brock yeah it was Brock he asked he's it, the new streets he's the new streets I guess superintendent superintendent yeah. and they wanted to make a trade with them clearing Melrose because they drive through to get from basically one side of one Melrose side to the other so we agreed to that on a one-year temporary basis to see how it works and in trade we continued to take care of the bottom side of lemur and uh, which one Olive and Marietta, and what's the uh, uh, tower, tower Court? Tower Court. Tower Court is 100% in, in Iowa. Iowa City. Um, there was some concerns if we hit mailboxes, whose responsibility it was. But after checking it, they don't have any mailboxes at the street. Um, and the other areas we were already essentially covering that was on Olive um, and uh, Marietta. We were already covering it because they were just short sections already. And my guys that are know the drivers that are out there so we just kind of work together so so far i mean we've only had a few snows um i haven't seen any issues to where it was a problem because my, my biggest concern was is we usually got here before the city of iowa city got through melrose or benton street so far they've done all right but all we've had is you know two inches here and there and some ice and we've, we've only been out a handful of times um so far so we'll just have to see how it it, it goes from there and continue on um, the only other thing is that they didn't want to do is they don't clean up the intersections that are at Melrose or Melrose and Cozier and then all the way up to Sunset so we're still taking care of the actual intersections they're just basically driving through and applying material so and that's been working out so far so far it's worked out but like I said I want to see yeah, it's temporary uh, and we do I mean we treat most of the side streets I mean we have two levels we have mains and then we have side streets so we're taking a little bit more and applying it to where we uh, see more issues and in intersections and taking care of that is on the mains aspect and uh, to offset some of the differences but so far it's worked all right but I want to see you know when we get something a little bit more ugly as to how they do it because your side streets are done at a faster rate than what anything in Iowa City is based upon their roots since the, you know that was what we discussed so yeah everything's been going well and you didn't charge anymore for no we didn't change anything we just adjusted we adjusted I wanted to um, run a complete loop all the way from sunset down and then back through the where the the, the stores were because it's in a better loop for us and you guys we need to be able to maintain the signals on both sides of that and this gives us the ability to maintain if somebody stopped on the hill um, by the mailbox that can be an issue if somebody's only doing Melrose versus going all the way through so 
so far I don't think we've had any problems. The police department would, would let me know if you had, and you guys haven't seen anything yet. So that's they also put out the sand barrels around the city. There hasn't been any, but people, you know, they get, like, tomorrow morning is going to be an issue because we're supposed to get freezing rain and it's supposed to come in right as at 5.30 when everybody's coming out. So it'll kind of be, see how things go. We do have some residual on the street because we were out on Friday uh, last week, but we haven't really been tested yet in the morning this year. Everything's been overnight, so we'll just have to go from there and you know, remind residents that they need to slow down because a quarter inch of snow is just as dangerous, more dangerous than five or six inches because they don't realize how fast they're going and they, they can slide through an intersection before we get there. We feel no complaints regarding even slippery roads. Uh, we haven't had any intersections that have been, or any stretches of the roadway yet that have been prone to accidents. The one event was fortunate that it actually occurred on Friday night, so that might have helped both of us out, but I, so far, it's Okay. Do you guys have I have any one question concerns? for you, Steve. Are you doing? Are, are you plowing any of the sidewalks? Uh, we do just the sidewalks that's at the park and just the park sidewalk. And does that take special equipment to do that? We don't because not really. No. Okay. I mean, we have special equipment now. We have the ability, if we have to, if we have to clear off sidewalks for residents. We rented equipment last year. We have brand new equipment that is way more efficient. However, we're not bringing it out here for just a general snowfall. It's right. it's it's too time consuming to load it onto the trailer. Um, they, we have some other properties that are just in Iowa City across the bridge at Melrose, and that crew hits, takes care of the sidewalk that's at Triangle. Gotcha. Thank you. Uh, Steve, could you uh, review the snow? removal ordinance just because I think it'd be a good time to remind residents and about it um, sure so the so the, the the ordinance requires that that snow be removed within uh, a reasonable time after um, I'm gonna pull it up here so I don't misquote it after the snow event uh, stops yeah 24 hours is how that's defined um, after that uh, if, if, if snow isn't removed, the calendar, the city may direct somebody to have it removed and tax that uh, cost to the property owner as a property tax. So that's essentially it. Did we change about the notification? We we didn't change the notification. Okay. But uh, uh, I think uh, working with uh, Doug and the police that. Uh, we're going to try to do some notification if somebody has. I'm I'm planning on it. Yeah. No, I'm on board with that. You know, uh, putting it on their door. But because some people like with rental properties, you get new people that move in and they're not aware as to what their responsibilities are. They assume maybe the streets do it or they're not from town. So the notification, I think, is key as far as at least the first time you're going to have people that don't care and don't do anything and notifications worthless so it's just so we can eliminate headaches and realize that there's a reason why because slip and falls they're ex they're expensive and some of the stuff we took care of last year went way too long so we should have been on it way way sooner and there was some extension extenuating circumstances last year 
with salt and not being able to get it. But as we told them, we had our discussion last year. If somebody feels they don't have it, we have it available and we can sell it to them. So oh. we should, unless okay. our supplies go out, we should be able to have it. So that shouldn't be able to be used as an excuse as to why it wasn't taken care of. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. Any other questions for him? Okay. Thank, Thank you Mark. so much no. for coming, Mark. Uh, let's see. I'm not going to skip over something here. Um, I know that Doug uh, met with Josiah, and uh, Josiah, do you want to start the report? And Doug can chime in if he'd like. Sure. And oh, they want you to stand up there. Oh, I I'm, I didn't tell you that ahead of time, but that's what the video guy told me. He'd like you to stand up there. <laughs> Something about the camera doesn't see you over Adds there. That's 10 pounds over there. <laughs> so you two are off camera. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> now you're on camera. Hello, world. Uh, so I submitted a written report. Um, it's up on the board. I'll touch on a couple items. The first one's the Olive Court project, um, which is out for bid. The bids are due next week. Uh, once those come in, we'll review them tabulate the bids, make sure there's no errors, things like that, and then we'll send out a, a summary letter to everybody, which includes the bids and the results and uh, any recommendations um, for awarding the project. So that, will, that would be at the February meeting would be your opportunity to take action on those bids and award a contract. <coughs> uh, the other thing I had to report on that is that this goes back to last year, but we uh, reapplied for a funding opportunity um, through the Iowa Department of Agriculture. Got word back uh, at the end of last week that, again, that project did not make the second cut to move on in the funding process. So that, uh, that op option is not there anymore. Um, the second thing is the Verizon Wireless uh, communication technology application. So I just uh, wrote a little bit uh, about where that came from and that follows up to a process from last year. If you look in section E there, a summary of the next steps uh, based on your ordinance. So I'm gonna be getting that out, all those drawings to both the council and the zoning commission and staff. But the way that's written, uh, the zoning commission will have the first crack at reviewing that with the staff, submitting any comments back to Verizon. And as I noted in there, I've already submitted a, a number of comments back to them, just like, first review so they can start getting to getting answers to those things um, so the zoning commission will look at that and then they're going to issue a report that has a recommendation to you guys to either approve it or not approve it or some uh, approve with conditions um, and then that gets put on your agenda so the earliest that would happen would be at also at the february 11th meeting it doesn't have to happen then, though. It's if the zoning commission can get together, or did you want it to? Well, it's to within, as it says there, and I took that from the from the ordinance. It's okay. within thirty days of receipt oh, of the response oh, okay. from them. So probably that won't be the February eleventh meeting. But um, if if the response is minimal, we can put it on there. And if everything's ready, fine. If not, so uh, any questions on? either of those items from the written report. Um, and, and so as you mentioned, yeah, Doug and I met, uh, start, start going through budgeting process and looking at how that's laid out and um, 
we talked about a number of things, so I'm going to develop some cost items from that and get back together with Doug and get that finalized. Okay, so you'll bring that, the bids, but we'll get them before to yeah, look at them? Yeah, so next week bids are due. Like I said, we'll evaluate them and then send a, a summary out so okay. you'll have all that information. Very good. Well, thank you. Yeah. Do you have anything, Doug, you wanted to add? Uh, no, not at this okay. time. Thank you. Um, let's see. We'll go on to uh, Mayor's report. And uh, in my report, I have uh, appointments for Board of Adjustment, David Dyack, Stephanie Gaughan, and then Tree Board, Sean Vacera and then Zoning Commission, Karen Franklin. And so there's consideration of resolution number 2002 before you ratifying the mayor's appointment to the Zoning Commission, Board of Adjustment, and Tree Board. Uh, is there a um, motion? I'll make a motion to Motion it. by Lisa. Is there a second? I second. Second by Doug. Um, any discussion? Okay, roll call vote. Swales. Aye. O'Sullivan? Aye. Cook? Aye. Scott? Aye. Moore? Aye. Carried? Okay, very good. And I wanted to go back to my report and say that uh, my MVPs for this year are uh, Mike Haverkamp. And uh, Mike Haverkamp, as you know, is a formal former council member and he spent countless hours of volunteer work assisting the city with the new website and also setting up the new city email system and uh, he really deserves an enormous thanks for this because it took many hours of help and so I have a little something for him I always give a little coffee card and this year we have a coffee shop here so it's from sidekick coffee and so, and then my uh, next one is Scott and Carol Ann Christensen, and they do the volunteer work at the City Garden, which is at Melrose and Golfview. And every year that garden is so beautiful. And people comment, to, I get more comments from people outside of University Heights commenting on how beautiful that is. And so I want to thank Scott and Caroline Christensen also, and I have a gift card for them too uh, from Sidekick Coffee. And uh, they're always looking for donations because that's all done on a donation basis. And so if you want to donate, uh, I can connect you with Caroline and uh, for the 2020 year. So let's round of applause for all of them. Thank you. And then um, we have um, Terry Gert here and Brian Jensen, right? Do you guys want to come to the front seats? Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. That I shouldn't have made that a question. Could you please come up, Terry and Brian? Okay, thank you very much. Um, Terry met with uh, Lisa Moore and Casey Cook uh, to discuss, and Casey can talk a little bit more about it too, about uh, your experience and what you can do as rental inspector. Would you like to speak on it at all, Casey? 
Um, you told me you were very impressed with him. I, w- I am. I remain very impressed with you. I don't want it to go to your head, Terry, by any chance. <laughs> but uh, um, Terry has got all the uh, necessary qualifications to be a great uh, housing inspector for us, and I'm really glad that he's joined us. Thank you. Yeah, Terry, how long have you been? I was trying to look that up. How long have you been our building inspector for the city? I think it's a little over 10 years. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, in the 10-year range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. and you have qualifications like you're certified in plumbing electrical all these things and a lot of cities have to bring in other contractor or you know other specialists in that too and then you were saying i thought you might share with the council that this year the state has said in 2020 you have to have be certified in a couple more things the well yeah what what they my understanding from reading the law is get a little closer from my understanding from reading the the code or the law is as january 1st 2020 states requiring you to be a certified inspector for uh electrical excuse me well electrical yeah but uh for plumbing and mechanical and you technically you've got one year to get that certification if you're are already employed by a municipality so yeah happens. so yeah luckily you're in that and could you introduce brian jensen yeah. too brian works for the city of iowa city as a rental inspector yes and he, he's he's very good so, yeah. <laughs> hi brian would you want to speak a little bit about to the council your qualifications you've worked I'm for the city losing my voice a little bit so you have to forgive oh okay bit. so everybody's I don't have quite got the qualifications as terry does but i do have um <laughs> residential plus the um the maintenance code as far as for the rental inspections and i'm continually working towards other qualifications as well so i've been working with terry for a year and a half so we work uh work every day on that and terry recommended brian jensen to us because uh when terry's not available brian can be available and i think it's going to work good that way to have two inspectors so that um, we can cover the area that we need to right away. Don't you think it's gonna yeah. be the best? Yeah. Terry, you can speak on it because you work for other cities. Yeah, and, and I think it'll be good uh, also for to help me out a little bit on the building inspections. We've got you know, a very large building going on right now and uh, Brian can help out with some of those inspections also. So maybe I could take vacation once in a while. So, does anyone have any questions for them? Uh, okay. Um, we have consideration of resolution number 2001 appointing Terry Gert and Brian Jensen to perform inspection services <coughs> concerning enforcement of the city's rental housing code, zoning ordinance, and other ordinances. And Steve can speak to what he sent you if you have any questions about that the contract you know was sent to you on uh on what they will be paid and when it starts and when it ends i think it was starting today and ending in 21 yeah it ends in the it ends at the end of the fiscal year but it automatically renews and provides that either party can give notice and, and be out of it so. is there a motion so moved. Motion by Casey. Is there a second? I'll second. Second by Lisa. Uh, discussion. 
Okay, roll call vote. O'Sullivan? Aye. Cook? Aye. Scott? Aye. Moore? Aye. Swales? Aye. Carried? Okay, and then if you can stay there for a minute because I want to move to Steve's part about uh, the moratorium. You know, we have a moratorium, and Steve, you want to speak to that a little bit just to review the public and council? Sure. Uh, so historically, uh, for you know many many years since at least 1982, the city uh, of University Heights regulated um, rental property uh, by imposing and uh, restrictions based upon occupancy, and those restrictions uh, were were based on familial status. So so our ordinance said that one kind of person, not a member of the family, could could occupy uh, a dwelling, but no more. So if you um, if you bought a home and wanted it to be a, a rental home, you could rent it to one person. You could rent it to you know a family of ten. Uh, you could rent it to uh, you know any configuration you know a couple, but you couldn't rent it to two people that were unrelated. There was only one you know unrelated party. And um, the, the the city had varying degrees of success enforcing that I think over the years. But, uh, but, but we were pretty well known as enforcing that. And, and that restriction, the, the, the concept of restricting occupancy based upon familial status it was not uh, novel. It wasn't anything new. Our, the way we did it, that you could only have one unrelated, was, was a little more restrictive than places like Iowa City, which said you could have two, at least at some points it said that. Um, and and um, different cities in Iowa did different things. Uh, over time, there became, uh, that sort of restriction got some attention at the legislature, and um, and uh, the legislature took action uh, to say that you couldn't restrict cities couldn't restrict by familial status, just period. You can't do it anymore, and uh, and that took effect. I think it was January one of uh, of twenty seventeen or eighteen. I'd have to look, but anyway, we saw. I mean, they, the legislature gave cities a little bit of notice, and um, and uh, and did that. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of lobbying, a lot of discussion about it. There's a long history. I'll I'll, I'll skip most of that, but I can tell you that someday if you, if you're interested. And um, and for most of the cities in in counties in the state of Iowa, you know, it was kind of a yeah whatever, okay. But for Cedar Falls and Ames and Iowa City, Coralville and University Heights, it was a big deal because of our proximity to bigger um, colleges and universities. And so, uh, as a result, or in response to that legislative action, uh, several of those cities that I just named, including Iowa City and Ames and uh, University Heights, imposed uh, um, a cap on rental permits. So we said, okay, we can't say that, uh, that only two unrelated people can live here anymore, but we do want to have uh, some way to um, uh, control. control and limit um, rental properties in our town. So we're going to say that no more than fill in the blank percent uh, of, uh, of residences in a particular zone, in our case it was the R1 zone, which is pretty much the whole town, okay, most of the streets, not this building, not, not Stella, uh, but, and not Grandview, but just about everything else. So we, we, we imposed a cap uh, and at the time that that cap was imposed, the number of rental permits in that zone was already over the cap, all right? And so there were quite a few intricacies and a lot of meetings and public input and so forth, but uh, that cap was imposed. And that was in uh, 2018, excuse me, 2017, uh, I think, sorry. 
anyway, so then the legislature came back to town, or their town, uh, Des Moines, in the following uh, December or January and said, yeah, so no, you can't do caps. <laughs> so, so there was this little volley back and forth, and, um, and, and you know, Des Moines always wins those volleys. And so the, the, the present status of things is, is that the state law says that, that cities may not restrict occupancy based upon familial status. That's done and it has been done and remains done. And the present uh, state of the Iowa law is that cities may not uh, impose uh, more uh, caps on rental permits um, in, in particular zones. So, so the message from, uh, from the, the state, at least the current message from the state is, you know, you know try to get at the, uh, the conduct, the, uh, the issues, the behavior, you know, different people look at it differently, but whatever it is that you're trying <coughs> to regulate, well, you can't use the proxy of, well, if we just don't let five people live together, that'll solve it. Can't do that. And you can't use the proxy of, well, if we just don't have any more rental units than that, you, you know, you can't do that. So, you know, as an example, if really the issue is that there's too much trash in the yard and you think that's associated with rental properties, then enforce your trash ordinance or adopt a trash ordinance. That's just one example. But that leads us to sort of present day. And, and uh, in, in 2019, when the legislature said, okay, no more caps on rental permits, which as I said, there hadn't been, you know, I don't know that any communities had caps on rental permits until the legislature said you can't regulate by familial status. But then when the legislature said, yeah, you can't do that either, then several cities, and Iowa City uh, was one, and University Heights was one, said, well, let's take a breath. You know, can we just, we're just, we need a little time to work some of this out. And so the city of University Heights imposed a moratorium on the issuance of any new rental permits. So, so, so homes that had rental permits that were up for renewal could, could get renewed. But, but anybody who was just straight up new, my, my home was, was owner-occupied last year, I'd like to get a rental permit this year. There was a moratorium that, that prohibited that. And that moratorium uh, was, uh, was enacted and, and expires, you know, t tomorrow, I think, or very soon. January 15th. Yeah. And so, uh, so <coughs> Ordinance 244, uh, before you, and, and uh, as, as Mayor Fromm indicated, there were, there were just, there were a host of issues that sort of prevented the council in 2019 from doing the evaluation that it wanted to do to try to figure out what to do with its various ordinances, you know, with that moratorium expiration January 15 in mind. And frankly, I mean, we, we just didn't get it done. So uh, the Ordinance 244 uh, extends the moratorium until April 15th so that the council, the new council, uh, can meet with new building officials and try to get a game plan for enacting ordinances or, you know, just figuring that it's good enough or whatever you all want to do. But uh, it gives you a little time to try to figure that out. And that's, that's what Ordinance 244 does. Thank you, Steve. That was a good summary. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, do you have questions for Steve about that? Any of that? So I mean, I know it was fast, but. So we can, um, if we settle some of these issues, we're in a position to say we don't have to go all to, uh, we can collapse the hearings to two rather than three. Yeah. So there's two things. I thought this is what you were saying. So first of all, an ordinance typically requires three readings before it takes effect. As I said in my legal report, given the timing of the expiration, and this is a council prerogative, it's not anything I can do, uh, but the council may say, well, listen, we're going to, instead of having this at three separate meetings, we're just going to 
vote if, if the council votes to collapse these three readings into one that takes four votes and then uh, adopt the ordinance so if that so that's a possibility that's that's authorized by Iowa law the other question that I, I thought I heard you asking and I'm not sure you were Casey but I'll go ahead and say this because I, I didn't the moratorium under 244 is extended to April 15 but if the council works things out before then makes decisions before then the council can stop the moratorium anytime it wants so you don't have to wait till April 15. Okay. So yeah, you did that answer your question? You bet. Thanks, okay. Steve. Uh, so uh, when we were at the meeting, we kind of the three of us kind of discussed you and Lisa and myself. We kind of discussed should we extend it to March, February, March, April, May, and. Uh, the discussion seemed to be April because March is spring break and maybe people wouldn't be around and maybe that would give enough time. Are you still thinking that, Casey, April 15th? For well, I, I'm glad we've got that much time, uh, but you could see, uh, was it was it John, that this is really an irritation. If there's some way we can get it done sooner, we've got to give it a try. And if we can't, we can't. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good with what we decided. Uh, so we have consideration of ordinance 244 extending the moratorium on issuance of new rental permits pursuant to ordinance 110 in order to allow the city council additional time to consider and adopt changes to city ordinances related to rental properties in light of state legislative enactment we don't have anything about april 15th in there but no but it's in the but it's in the ordinance oh it's listed in the ordinance 244 so that is before you so do you want a motion did sure. you i can make a motion thank you to uh, i i move to extend the moratorium till april 15th okay there's a motion by casey is there a second a second second by sarah okay any discuss uh so then so if the council is, is i don't want to get too far <laughs> to collapse those readings, this would be the time to make that motion. And if you and don't, fine. But if, if you do that do and you, you adopt it, you can do the, the ordinance okay. all at once tonight. If you don't, it'll come back to you. Uh, I mean, your, the moratorium will expire, but it'll come back to you in, in February. And I guess we can reassert it if you want. So I'll make the motion. I move to suspend the requirement that a proposed ordinance be considered and voted upon for passage at two council meetings prior to the meeting at which it is to be finally passed. Okay, a motion by Lisa. Is there a second? I'll this, second. Okay, second by Bobby. And this is the motion to collapse required uh, readings of ordinance, and this requires four votes. And so, is there any further discussion? I forgot to say that. Roll call vote. Cook. Aye. Scott. Aye. Moore. Aye. Swales. Aye. Sullivan. Aye. Carried. Okay, now we go, so the votes collapse. So now we go back to the um, motion, and this will be the third reading of it. And so that, uh, that motion was made by uh, Casey and seconded by Sarah. 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 Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, Roll call vote. Scott? Aye. Moore? Aye. Swales? Aye. O'Sullivan? Aye. Cook? Aye. Carried. Okay, and now I think it would be good that uh, we have you two here, Terry, I'm talking about you, <laughs> and Brian, we have you here to 
to set a meeting that we can a special meeting where we can discuss this rental issue and we can do it you know uh, sometime in January February uh, we need to look at our calendars and see if there's a time now I remember you said Wednesdays are not good for you okay and that's not good um, so let's let's look at the calendar now next week it week is really bad for me and but the week after that's better but uh, and then there's February is anybody want to suggest a, a day or how about, um, what about January 30th okay that's not good um, I don't know all I can hear is that noise <laughs> the 28th of not January not good. Oh, the 28th is good for me 28th the 28th? Mm -hmm. it's, it's 28th the Thursday. It's Tuesday. a Tuesday. Tuesday. I'm going to be gone from the 25th uh, through, through that Thursday. Okay. Oh, okay. You're going to be gone. Well, I don't like to do meetings on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, of did, course. Did anyone say anything about the 23rd? Did you say that doesn't work? Um, as You know what? That could work for me if it's um, <clears throat> at 7 o'clock and not any earlier, you know? Uh, I have something about 515 but yeah that would work does that work for that, that works for me okay I forgot you were gonna be at, and it works for you yeah, Sarah how are you mr. Swales it's uh, next uh, Thursday yeah I, I can juggle some stuff yeah I think I can make that work oh good at seven o'clock yeah and Steve Second you can thoughts. make it work I if I, I I'm in a trial uh, so okay. if I can't be here I can I'll somebody from my office Oh, okay. And you can make it, and we'd like you to be there too, Brian. 23rd. On the 23rd? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Okay, very good. Okay, we'll get started on this right away. And, uh, oh, we have a couple of things for you to sign, maybe. And then I wanted to go ahead and... Uh, go back to the hotel project update and we have Jim Glasgow and Greg Steltner here and they're gonna go back to the back of the room and sign the contract before they leave and hi Jim hi. welcome and I know you met some of the council already yes and uh, what's going on with the hotel well uh, Chris oh, is gonna put up a few pictures oh nice at, at this point uh, at the hotel we're on second floor finishing finishing the ceiling of second floor we're getting close to starting third floor the uh, most all the infrastructure is done on the uh, site I mean we've got water sewer electric we've got electric into the building now we've got gas main into the building and uh, so we're gonna continue on uh, once we get third floor on we're gonna start heating some of the lower level floors it's a pretty big building so it, and it's hard to enclose it but um, it, as you can see there that's it's a it's a steel 
pretty much all steel building. So it's and it, it's all but it's all prefabricated. So it's it's coming in semi loads, and the the next levels are going to go quite a bit faster than what we've had right now. Because uh, if this picture here will show you the <clears throat> the parking level, which is one of the levels that you've probably never seen, uh, it's below grade and uh, uh, it's, it's it's pretty good size, about 15,000 square feet. So we've got a lot of a lot of underground parking there. There's there's another well, okay. This picture right here is the swimming pool area. The the part where it's not uh, has no concrete is actually the swimming pool. So this is level one, and you're looking down kind of through the pool at the restaurant area. So and that that's precast ceiling above that you're looking at there. So that exterior you'll you'll see the the tower crane and then the stair tower. Uh, that's that's and there again is the tower tower crane. That's the elevator shaft there. The tall the tall system in the in the back background there and now this building's a little bit different because in the parking in the parking level we actually have radiant floor heat so this is part of that part of that system and uh, so when you drive into the basement the snow melt and everything else the uh, snow is gone and and uh, it'll be a, a pretty nice heated garage area and and we do that also because we we've got a, a heat pump system where some of our mechanical systems actually sit down in the garage and we we take some of the heat from this system and actually absorb it into our heat pump system so um is that that all of them oh oh you're talking about the coon yeah. oh yeah you can show that that's that's my pet coon and my cat so yeah i don't know how that got in there but anyway. <laughs> she, she's all grown up now though so but um, the other thing, we, the other thing, uh, we have all the retaining walls. All the retaining walls are done on the on the whole site, and uh, we're we're putting up some of the railings around the perimeter. Uh, we've got part of the parking uh, parking area has been poured, so uh, it's, if the weather kind of cooperates, we'll we'll keep on going up. Like I say, the, the next levels, levels three, four, and five are all exactly the same. Hmm. So the, they should they should go up a lot faster. The first two levels, we had a lot of steel and precast that we had to work with, and now that that's pretty much out of the way, we're gonna we're gonna go up a lot faster. We hope so. Just depends on on how much snow we get. So other than that, and how are you doing on your target? When is your target date that you'd like to finish? Well, right now we're uh, September first is is what. We're, we're shooting for and we'll, we'll have to make adjustments as we go but I think we're trying to actually speed up uh, we've worked out a deal with with uh, the framing contractors right now to pay them overtime so that they'll they'll work if we if we have good days we're hoping to cut two weeks off of our current schedule uh, so we'll just have to see how that how that works out with the weather but um, other, other than that it's it's going good. The, the quality of the building, I'm real happy with. I mean, we've we've done quite a few of them. This this is probably one of the best steel structures I've ever worked on. Uh, it comes out of Wisconsin from a company called Waltech, but they they did a great job. It's all all welded, real heavy duty, and uh, the guys putting it together are not as fast as I want them to be, but they they're really good quality work. So we're real happy with them. So that's wonderful. Any questions? How often do the uh, inspectors you build? Do they hold you up a day or anything? Or 
You mean like Terry or? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> do they go like just by time or each phase? You know, when you put a floor on, they go around and check everything. Well, yeah. Well, Terry just he can walk on the site anytime he wants. I mean, and we just we prefer him to just come. You know, whenever whenever he gets gets time. But uh, we have our own inspectors too that that go around and because all of this all of each each level is uh, certified by engineers and and we've got. The uh, the engineer that worked on the building is well. He he did both the structural and he did the wall the wall system as well. So we've got the same engineer throughout the whole building. And then we then we also have, like Casey would know, the title the title company comes in. They do their own inspection as well to 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 check on us. And uh, but uh, I look it over pretty well myself too. And and uh, I'm real happy with the way it's the way it's put together. So. Uh, Greg was talking to me a little bit about the restaurant, and he was pretty excited about that. Do you want to, yeah, or maybe one of you can say something about that because that's uh, kind of exciting. The the restaurant on the top. Yeah, I don't know if I want to. I mean, you were talking. I said, yeah. you know, at one time you told us there were going to be live trees. Yeah, I don't know if I want to still. Peter Harmon's thunder, though that's the thing. He might he might be want, want, he might want to be the guy to come and tell you all about it. Oh, but it's it's <clears throat> he we I, we saw the layout the other day. <clears throat> so um, one section of his restaurant, he has like a we call it the situation room. Um, <laughs> nice big area. He can have you know banquets and such, wedding receptions. Um, and he's got a really big kitchen. <clears throat> What's really cool is from his kitchen, he goes straight down to the basement to where he can uh, do his catering service. Straight from his kitchen to the basement, load his vans, and out he goes. So it's the customers, hotel guests, don't see anything. They, oh, wow. So he's completely, you know, uh, not... You know not being seen doing his catering service which is really good for him um the kitchen is huge um the restaurant has uh, got a lot of a lot of really nice seating booth seating um it has a lot of tables and then there's um there's this one area that he's putting what does he call it a sports cube anybody ever heard of a sports cube no, but it sounds kind of cool. Sports it's really cube. cool. It's a new like thing. Um, it's like a cube that has TVs on all four sides of it. Oh. And you can just kind of sit there and watch sports all day if you want. Um, and then that's that's completely isolated from the restaurant area and the and the uh, the bar area. He has a bar. Um, he has uh, three big, huge tables for big parties. Like say you know twelve fifteen people has three sections for that, and then on top of that he has outdoor seating, which overlooks the toward Melrose the bridge area. So he'll definitely be able to see the north end zone Megatron from the outdoor seating. Um, so it's I think it's pretty exciting uh, from what I saw of his restaurant and the lower level restaurant. Um, a lot of talk on that lately we have uh, somewhat uh, we have a, a bar area and a lot of restaurant space huge kitchen big coolers um, 
we plan on serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner on the lower level. Uh, Peter Harmon plans nice. on doing dinner only. Maybe he'll, he'll do lunch at a later date. So we'll have to see what happens there. Um, but I, I really like uh, what we have accomplished on the lower level as well. It's going to be it's going to be really um, you know eye popping. I hope so. I'm excited about it. Yeah, any questions you can think of? It's pretty exciting, isn't it? And uh, Bobby and I were talking earlier, and we were uh, wanting to know if you could get some perf numbers for us for the budget. <coughs> for? Uh, you know, the hotel motel yeah. tax. I have um, a pro forma. Um, we did a, a year, month-to-month, yearly uh, revenue um, sure. what we thought we'd be, be bringing in for revenue so we could take that um, you know it's it's guesswork obviously but we could take that and in base I don't know how the the hotel motel tax thing works. right uh, Schomber, Josh Schomberger would be able to have you met with him yet mm -mm, yeah. no, he would be a guy that completely explained that whole thing to you yeah he's with the Iowa City Coralville Visitors Bureau yeah and so, but we need, we would like to get this by next Friday. I so you email it to you tomorrow. I, oh, okay. Bill Boyd did Yeah, mail it to Bob, uh, you know, email it to Bobby and I. We had to do that. Or Bobby. For the, um, for the bank, you know, for financing. Uh, and they, so he did a, he did a breakdown month to month. For Great. The and then, um, yeah, so, yeah, no problem on that. Okay. Um, well. If there's no more questions, thank you very much for coming quick, and showing uh, us. Greg, do you guys have like a, an in-house security guard or anything, or do you have any need for um, that? Somebody asked I me think, the other day if you did. I think we'll definitely be talking about that for um, for sure for the big big game days for yeah. sure. Um, but on a day-to-day -day basis, I don't think we not have anything day -day, planned. Not on yeah. a day-to-day -day basis, but for the games. Kind of event-related. Like yeah. Okay. We're talking about Permar or somebody like sure, that to come sure. through. Okay. Because yeah. parking and and just all the, all the, the number of people we're going right. to have there. Definitely going to be. That's what I was just wondering if uh, something you guys handle or if we had to recruit our well, guys to. Troy too. <laughs> I'm sure for $50 an hour, you come down. My experience in Iowa City is that for some of the not so huge events, they do rely on security, but for some of the big events such as New Year's and game days, the Iowa City hotels do like to hire the police officers through the department only because they have arrest powers and you eliminate that. All right, well, I've got a security officer dealing with them and if they want to listen to the security officer or not and then getting the police there in the first place as opposed to having direct communications and the ability to resolve oh, yeah. just consideration. Absolutely. We would love to do that for sure. Now, would they be guys that aren't off-duty then at that point? So we'd have to hire or would we go through the... Uh, you know the department or we can discuss that but the way yep. that I've done it with the University of Iowa and with others is really they're on duty for me but you contract through the city to reimburse the city for those expenses oh, that way they operate under our authority and oh, that'd be great absolutely because it I think on game days it will be a little chaotic so <laughs> okay great well thanks again for coming okay. appreciate it any other questions okay yeah. Okay. Um, 
then we'll go to the city clerk report. No, did I miss? I missed uh, Paul Moore. That's where I was going to go. And Paul is um, going to do a presentation regarding issues related to storm sewer service, parking, and traffic issues at and around his business, which is 1000 and 1004 Melrose Avenue. As I said, uh, Steve put that in his report, your type letter that you wrote to the previous council. And thank you. Thank you. Uh, my parents started on 45, excuse me, 455 Grand Avenue. I was born in that house, so my roots have been in University Heights for 84 years. My dad built a business district, and I'm trying to continue his vision as to have it be an asset to University Heights. And I'm really happy for all the people that agree to serve on the council. I haven't met all of you before, but I look forward to working with you. My issues are the things that I run into over the years, and I know too many things that I'm dangerous. <laughs> and I know things have to be budgeted. I know they have to be engineered. And it takes a long process. Josiah and I, we started back in 2010 with a eight foot wide sidewalk for pedestrians and bikes. We thought we had all the answers then. Well then in somewhere 216 or something this beautification project came up. It was signed on to in 2017. The first I heard about it was Jim and Greg come with their proposal. So then they threw out this map of what University Heights was going to do. Well, this in involves stormwater, snow removal, loss of parking, and I guess I'm trying to address things before they happen. I don't want to be sued. I want to have things done ahead of time that I see that the community needs. And I'm not against the bike paths. I'm not against the beautification. I got a lot of modifications. I want to talk about that at a later time. But all of this is intertwined. And basically my issue is, and we've had meetings with Lisa and Dorothy and Louise and <clears throat> Kent Ralston and Josiah, the last one was June 20th. And they said, wait till the new council comes. So see how honored you are you get to make <laughs> all these big decisions. Well, well it's well, also budget time. Yeah. <laughs> budget time well, is... I, as I expressed in this letter, I tried to give you the history. And I guess each parking lot I have is a separate entity. And I've got a handicapped parking spot in the east parking lot that cost me $100,000 in 2010. But now, in the next two or three years, they're going to lose the parking in front of 1000, 1004, 1006 Melrose Avenue. 
I'm trying to protect the restaurant and the dentist's office so they can have normal traffic and service the community. And we all know we got federal laws, the American Disabilities Act and all that, and we don't have any choice. We can't avoid it. But my north parking lot's on a slope, and I cannot make handicapped parking there. And so I'm offering, now let me back up. <clears throat> I feel University Heights maintains the infrastructure, the storm sewers, the streets, that part of the system. As a property owner, if there's a public sidewalk across the property or a driveway entrance, the property owner has to pay for that. And that's why I'm agreeing to pave part of the road right away and use the existing two parking lots that in that sketch that shows the red rectangles. And that's basically all it is is an excess sidewalk so people can get from the side or the rear of a handicapped vehicle and get them up on the sidewalk, which is going to involve tearing the sidewalk out and ramping it in the same way the entrance to the house at 116 Golf View. I want to thank Josiah and Kent Ralston and Steve for furnishing me all these ADA documents and storm sewer drawings and all this stuff and I really rely on them like you do. I agree to pay for this and I'd like to get this done before the Melrose project starts because it's going to be a mess within itself. Uh, the amount of traffic that we have on Melrose Avenue. Now the drawing that's up there, it probably looks like Egyptian hieroglyphics, but basically the very top is showing a slope of bringing the sidewalk down to the street elevation, and the rest of it is for the sidewalk and the space, and the next drawing I think shows it better. But I rely on Josiah, or I'll have to hire somebody to make engineering drawings, but I'd like to get some direction from the council at this time what direction we're going to go with this. It's, this seems like a common sense approach, and the only thing that I'm sorry to say that I'd like to ask you to present a proposal on or follow through is I've furnished pictures to Josiah over the years where the area's been flooded when we have two or three inch rains. We had snow melt last winter where we had water ponding in front of the drive entrance to the north parking lot. But there's no storm drains along there. The water's supposed to run by gravity. Three houses to the north. You fill that up with snow from plowed along the street, it don't go any place. And so we got a few hoops to jump through and work together, and I'm willing to do this. And this is n nothing new to the old council members or to the engineers, but we've been messing with it for a long time. So 
This is one. Yeah, I this got is a good a whole time. briefcase full of stuff, and I don't want to get any more specific, but <laughs> I just want you to be aware and see if we can be in agreement uh, to get some action this year, if possible. Well, for one thing, this is budget time. We weren't just saying, you know, we couldn't do a project in June without the and I know you know that and so I really wasn't passing it to the new council I was budget time is more of it and so um, um, this is budget time so so Paul we could have council we could ask Josiah Steve if they could give us some input uh, Josiah could uh, so just to clarify if I yep. can just to clarify, you're asking Josiah or someone to put together some drawings or estimates or whatever that would be well, to, to fix I'd the infrastructure work part of with it. him. And yeah. I, the stuff that I've handed out, basically the yellow dots show where the storm sewers are, mm -hmm. and they're not adequate on Golf View at all on either side of the street. And I'm not trying to invent the wheel, mm -hmm. but. <clears throat> If we're going to put handicap park on there, I'm putting another collection spot there in the winter time for melt off water because mm -hmm. it's just going to pond there, and so this is why it's important for a storm sewer. And Golf View originally was a narrower street. It's been added on to the west side. It's been added on to on the east side, and. If we had unlimited money, it would be nice to widen it even more and put storm sewers on both sides of the street. We keep paving more every place, more sidewalks. Where does the water go? It's got to have a place to go. In front of my building on Melrose Avenue, there's only one small drain. We've had water come clear up over the sidewalk, to the, the door that goes to Stella's. It hasn't got to the door, but it crossed the public sidewalk. It's come clear up into the planter where the sign for Melrose Dental is. Basically because when we have heavy rains, we have a lot of twigs and leaves, plugs the drain up. We've had water run around the north edge of the abutment of the Melrose Avenue bridge and wash the earth away when it's rained that much. That's only been twice. But I and Josiah know it happens. And with our climate change, are we going to have more rain? And It just seems like with these projects that are going on, I want people to consider our history because that dictates what we need to do. And there's no cheaper time to do things than now mm -hmm. if you plan for them. If you go and tear things up that you just did a year or two ago, it don't make any sense to me. And that's what we're going to, some of it going to do with the Olive Court thing. <coughs> but they didn't have money budgeted for the other, so we're going to duplicate things there. And I'm not going to argue about that. But anyway, I'd just like to work with everybody if we can so Josiah could work up a cost estimate to put with the street projects or yeah that oh my gosh 
You're hot. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, as you say, there's legal and engineering issues. Uh, what I anticipated was the, that, that Paul would present and discuss these issues with the council as he has tonight. And then if the council, if the council's not in a position to make any decisions, uh, if the council is uh, of a mind to say, yeah, we'd like to know more, then I think you just need to tell Josiah and I to work with Paul to come back with, with some details or some preliminaries that we can decide or okay. you can decide what steps next you want to take, if any. If okay, I see. Kind of a no deal. I see some nods here. Yeah. <clears throat> Go with yes. Josiah down there sometime and meet with you, Paul, and take a look at that. I know that's been a uh, a problem for a long time for you, and you've been very vocal about it, and, and uh, I think that can's been kicked down the, the road plenty of times. I think it's time to maybe with this olive court, we can kill two birds with one stone and take care of your problem as well. So I'd like to go down with Josiah and take a peek at that and see if we can uh, maybe a, add a drop-in let or something in there to capture some of that water that you know is, is coming down there and getting plugged, but a, a drop inlet would surely resolve a lot of that. Well, this is one thing I've already mentioned to Josiah with the Olive Court project is if they could stick a stub out of one manhole so they could add a drain at the entrance to the new hotel because water runs off the bridge mm -hmm. coming west. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if that's going to happen or if it got included in the bid process or if it can be an addendum added later, but... These are things that I want the council to be aware of that a way to prepare for things in the future so we don't duplicate our expenses. We don't have that kind of money even when we get the hotel motel tax. Mm -hmm. You're 10 or 15 years behind fixing our streets. <laughs> the area north of the flower bed is not in the beautification project and it's a worse shaped yeah. street that we have pretty rough shape yeah. and so i don't know if you want to look at that in the cost estimates with this storm sewer and the handicapped parking but josiah's aware of it because i keep thumping him all the time about it so. and one thing we got to get done this year is fix the manhole south of the vacant lot on the curve the police chief and i've talked about that we patched it last year it's just getting worse. It's going to get worse if you have a crack and water runs in it. It's not going to fix anything. It's going to make it worse. That's just common sense. So. Yeah, Josiah's aware of that on your list. So I've seen it too. Any so other questions? I'll stop talking. Okay, I'm I'm looking at council and I. I I'm not sure what the official next step is here, but motion to to you know ask Josiah uh, to take steps forward well, I mean, so typically <clears throat> during the budget process we come up with estimates of projects that could be needed or done and those all get put together so you have a list to work from um, obviously that they can't all be done but it gives you an idea of what's out there and um, so that's what we had talked about even last year was getting this on that list which starts with frankly taking the things that we've already looked at applying an official cost to them so we know yep. what, what we're dealing with. And Steve said we don't need a motion. We can just have council consensus, and nobody objects to it, right? right. So That's it's right. all consensus yep. here. And so it'll go to Josiah and Steve now, and uh, it'll be part of the uh, budget process for council to consider. Okay. Okay, when we get the numbers and everything. 
one thing for the new members to know, I only hear with one ear and it doesn't work very good. <laughs> and if I get talking loud, it isn't that I'm mad, it's just <laughs> my wife isn't here to calm me down. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Paul. Um, okay, so now we'll go. Well, I thought maybe people would want to get up just a little bit, and I have some water over there and some cookies, and so why don't we just do that for a minute so we can, I just think it'd be nice to have a cookie or water. I see council didn't really pick them up, and so why don't you go now and help yourself, and the public help yourself to cookies, and we'll do that in the next minute or two. <coughs> But I just thought we needed to move around a minute, have a cookie or two. And uh, Steve, I, y did you have anything else in your legal report that you wanted to go over? I kind of just did the moratorium, but, you know, Steve sent a report on many things. Yep. Are there any questions for him? Okay, then we'll go on to uh, Chris Anderson, the city clerk report. You all received my scintillating clerk report. Yes. Uh, the update, well, no, there were no updates to the rental and building permit spreadsheets. Uh, again, as I have updates, you will see those uh, reflected yellow highlighted lines. So if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them now, or I can speak with you offline uh, from the meeting to answer any of your questions. Okay, anything for Chris? Anybody has right now? Okay. Uh, treasurer's report and uh, Lori sent that out and um, the important issue we have to do tonight is the warrant list and there were um, two page list what page and a half of warrants uh, are th were there any ad you printed out what it was only one when I emailed oh was it one <laughs> and you had an additional one I had one additional one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess that's it. One additional one. Thank you, Lori. And so did everyone have a chance to review that? Are there any objections um, to pay in the bills as listed? Uh, if no objection, uh, the bills will be paid by unanimous consent. Um, then we'll go on to community protection. And Troy is here. And uh, I was just speaking with uh, Kevin and Bill, the president and vice president of the NAACP, and I know that uh, Kevin is under the weather and can't speak. Uh, his voice is, is so, so uh, Chief, uh, you'll speak for them Yes. Now? Thank you. I, I asked or suggested to Kevin, and he was planning on being here anyway. Uh, Kevin and I have a relationship that goes back to my time with the Iowa City Police Department. Uh, I put a little bit, just a very tiny bit about him here. He's the local president of the of the NAACP. Tonight's the first night that I've met Bill that I recall, and he's vice president of the Iowa City chapter of NAACP. Uh, Kevin gets recognized with some degree of frequency by various agencies for his work locally on a state level and on a national level. Uh, he won't talk to you much about that. He is very, very humble. And while he functions well in a committee, in my experience, where he really, really thrives and where we get work done is, is outside of the committees and in the one-on-one -on -one relationships that he builds 
and the ability to talk to people and communicate and, and work through a problem and come to a solution rather than somehow fostering a, a defensive type communication where you're just you're not comfortable being open and honest or, or transparent. Kevin thrives in that one-on-one -on -one, uh, arena so I wanted to make sure that he was here and had a chance that you guys all put a face with a name. Uh, Sarah and I met with Kevin already uh, once since Sarah has assumed this position we met last week and talked through some of the goings on with the ordinance, Ordinance 235 and the Citizens Advisory Board. Uh, but anyway, I asked Kevin if he would come and at least wave his hand and say hi. Uh, I wasn't sure he was going to make it. He called me just before the meeting started and was putting out fires even then. Uh, but here he is, and if he's able uh, and lingers around and you all have the time afterwards, I'd encourage you to chat with him. Kevin, am I missing anything? All right, that's Louise. Uh, Kevin was instrumental in the NAACP, were instrumental in the kind of the partnership and the maybe the collaboration uh, in the drafting of the final version of Ordinance 235. And if you're not familiar with that, you will be, but that's the basically the ordinance that University Heights adopted uh, that is a local ordinance prohibiting discriminatory practices by the by the police department and while there are protections that are afforded and prohibitions against that at different levels I believe University Heights was the first community uh, to have adopted those and I mean as Kevin and I and Sarah have talked uh, we are on the forefront of it and we're a model that's being held up to other communities our model may not go directly on as a template to somebody else because we're a very unique community but it is definitely a place to start and we want to make sure we move that momentum forward uh, unless Kevin or Bill have anything to add I will move on uh, I sent out my report hopefully all had a chance to read it uh, I issued keys now I believe to everybody Bobby, I thought I gave you one when we sat down and met. Yep. Okay, yes. So you all have keys. Those keys, again, get you into all the exterior doors and all the doors in this room, uh, into and out of this room. They will not get you into the police department. I'd like to skip directly down to the staffing and related issues. Uh, when I came on to the police department as chief in April of last year and started recruiting officers to come, I realize, and these experienced officers realize, that University Heights cannot compete dollar for dollar with Iowa City or Coralville or the Johnson County Sheriff's Office. Again, we're a unique community. Uh, I had hoped to structure things, whether they be our new fleet and take-home vehicles, uh, to, to try to offset some of the discrepancies or some of those differences, I guess, and make it an appealing place to work. And I think I have done that to a large degree, or we all have done that to a large degree. One of the things that was pointed out very early on by an officer that I recruited from another agency uh, was that he was coming from an agency that he was paying $150 a month for family insurance. He has, he has two girls uh, to our agency, and he was paying about $700, just over $700 a month, if I'm remembering right, $700-ish a month for family insurance. I promised him that I would address that as part of a comprehensive review in our employee package and our expenditures with the next budget cycle, uh, with the one that we're now entering. What has happened to make this more of a crisis from my perspective is that 
and it isn't unique to Iowa or to University Heights. Chris and I sat down with a an insurance agent, a, a representative of the insurance company. There's just a huge adjustment in insurance costs this year, uh, 30% adjustment in insurance costs this year. That officer now sees his 700-ish dollar, which was already high, becoming a little over $900 for him to get insurance for his two girls and his wife. On top of that, he has living expenses. Uh, just for comparative purposes, I, I reached out to Iowa City, which I was familiar with, but Iowa City, North Liberty, Johnson County, basically the other area agencies. Uh, they're in the report, but I want to just mention them. Uh, if you work for the Iowa City Police Department, your total contribution, and everybody's structure is a little bit different, but your total, the employee's total contribution towards a family plan is $170 per month. If you work for the Coralville Police Department, that officer's total contribution towards a family plan is $35 a month. If you work for the Johnson County Sheriff's Office, it's $133 a month. Uh, I since was able to get North Liberty Police Department's numbers, which weren't included in my report. That is $197 a month. Uh, if I'm doing my math correctly, and Lori and I had talked about this, mm -hmm. the officer's contribution will be roughly $915 a month as of this last paycheck. And now he, our deductions come out bi-weekly. Uh, the first two pay periods, I believe, of the month is, is the way lo how Lori breaks it down. But regardless, it equates to $915 a month. I still am doing a comprehensive review. If you, I'm still trying to balance the numbers. For example, how much money did we, were we able to invoice the University of Iowa for to help offset expenses? What have we saved by potentially not hiring an officer? And all that will be part of my comprehensive review and, and reassessment as we move forward into the budget process. I don't want to throw a bunch of that at you in, in, in eight minutes, try to go through my whole budget. But I really believe there's a crisis right now and that we need to adjust this. It only affects one officer right now. Not to say that it couldn't affect more, but it impacts one officer. Uh, there's only one officer we have that is on the family plan. Uh, I would ask that, and, and I spoke with the mayor about this and various, it talked about some various solutions. I believe there should be a buy-in from the officer. Uh, I don't think that it's something that should be given carte blanche, and frankly, I don't believe University Heights can afford to do that. But I just, I, I don't think, I think this is just an oversight and something that it, University Heights has never had to address because the typical hiring process for a University Heights police officer has been to hire, hire somebody that's two to four years out of high school, <coughs> may or may not have a significant other, has not had a family. When I asked Lori, it was anecdotally, but she said off the top of her head she was guessing that there'd been one, she told me two. So one other officer other than this one in the time that she can remember that has had a family plan. I have tried to change that as far as the officers and the the police department and the professionalism that, that we have and the community has. And I really think you only need to look at the newspapers to see that that is gaining traction. You only need to talk to the community members. I don't care what your political spectrum is. It is nice and I have enjoyed it. I mean, I'm out talking to people and walking, and so, on my, so are my officers. I think that's what you want for a police department. I think you want, it's okay being Mayberry, 
as long as it's the Andy Griffith part of Mayberry. It shouldn't be the Barney Five part of Mayberry. But if you want Andy Griffith, you need to take care of the family too. And and I'm, I'm probably talking more than I need to, but I just I think this is important, and I think this is an adjustment that needs to be made now. If any of you listen to KXIC, and I bring that up because that's where my wife does her morning listening, you probably have heard in the last few weeks that Coralville and Johnson County were doing a joint hiring pro, uh, joint testing. Uh, they were starting their officers at 51,000 and change, but an officer with eight years experience, which is my my least experienced officer now, could transfer in, and Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was 64,000 and change? Similar, yeah. Yes. We top out currently at 58,000. My, my junior officer with eight years experience could go to Coralville, make more money right out of the, from day one, and pay and, and take home more of it because they're paying $35 a month in insurance. Again, I don't expect us to match dollar for dollar, benefit to benefit, but we are way out of step at this. I think it's just an oversight and it is, there's never been a need to address it before. So I would ask that you consider that. I'm certainly, I'm certainly here to answer any questions that you have. I can break it down further or talk about different numbers. But in a nutshell, that's, that's the one thing that I, I, I think we're at a crisis and need to fix. Yeah, so I just um, just want to voice my support. I've talked to Chief Kelsey about this this week. Um, you know, also did a little research, and I, I believe that good employers contribute more to um, health insurance premiums than what we're doing right now, at least for the family plan. Um, so I, I think 50% is a reasonable request, and if we can do it, I'd, I'd like to support that. Who do we get our insurance from? Or have, has anybody shopped around for other rates, or...? Welda and Briscoe is currently our um, health and life insurance. We are, we did this two years ago, I believe, two or three years ago, that we looked at the rates and we don't want to go too low because you don't have great packages for the employers or the employees. Uh, it's something that we can look into again if that's a, what the council would like. And as long as we're comparing apples to apples, you know, with coverage, mm -hmm. you know, whether there's a. And like car insurance, you know, you got liability and collision and full coverage. I mean, I'm just wondering, the, the insurance that we're giving our officers, I want to make sure it's comparable to any of that we're window shopping for. Correct. And at the time that we were looking into this, the ACA, they weren't sure what was going on, the Affordable Care Act. We have not converted to any of those policies that would save us money. But once you convert to that, you can't go back to what we <coughs> currently have. We have, uh, in my opinion, a very good package for the employees. Affordable Care Act, you get into higher deductibles and things of that nature. So we have mm -hmm. not. And, and then secondly, I think it'll probably come into the budgeting that uh, what happens if we have an officer, you know, single, he gets married, and then he has, you know, kids, or you know, ha gets married and then has kids. I mean, do we give him the family plan as an option? I mean, should we allocate money when it comes budgeting and just? assume everybody's going to have a family plan down the road and if we use it great and if we don't great i mean what we should have the money at least set aside in the budget for each officer that could potentially want to step up to a family plan we need to have the the money at least budgeted for and allocated for the the police uh, and then if we don't hire anybody it you know goes rolls back I think into the I, this, as he said, is kind of an emergency situation right. because it's oh, yeah, no, happening I, right now. But uh, I think 
uh, that'd be a good suggestion to ask the chief to look into that. And I agree with you. Uh, that's in part why I think that it's important that the officer have a buy-in too. And I'm not saying 50-50 is, like I said, I may come back to you during the budget process and say, you know what, I've looked at everything and here's where I think it's better. And then we can take more time and, and decide on that adjustment. We have, of the four officers that we have right now, we have one vacancy. But of the four officers we have right now, all four of us are married and have kids. Some are adults, but all four of us have that. Only one of my officers, including myself, only one of the officers has elected to do the family plan. I don't think that it should be something that, again, well, you know what, hey, we'll, we're only, we'll only require a $35 payment. You know what, I've got decent insurance through my wife, but if you're going to give it to me for free, why would I pass on it? And I don't think that should happen. What I proposed right now, the officer is still paying more than twice the amount of any other officer in Johnson County law enforcement for coverage. And that's definitely a hardship at that beginning rate, you know, so I correct I support the uh, any adjustments that we have to do. So <clears throat> Okay, so uh, we have consideration of matching contribution. Uh, for UHPD officers that are affected with their family health care coverage, and we know that's one officer. So, uh, was that be a motion from you, Sarah? Yeah, that's a motion. Okay, is there a second? I second. Okay, second from Casey. Uh, any further discussion? I have a question. Okay. Do you want it to be retroactive to the beginning of January when the rate first went up? Or... That would be one pay period, so we'd be talking about roughly $225 just for the sake of this discussion. That's totally your call. I, oh, because I we're now January 14th? Yes. And like so... How that work? Mm -hmm. Like, how would that just be... <coughs> Same fiscal year? That's not a problem practically, is what you're asking. No, yeah. I mean, no you just no. pay the office. Yes. Okay. No, because I, I set it in so it, they get paid twice a month, essentially. Yeah. So... I take half of it out of each paycheck. Half of this part out of each paycheck. Okay, so you would add an amendment to yeah, I think so. To, to start January first, and you agree to that? I do. Casey, for the second. Okay. Any further discussion? Uh, all in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed, say no. Motion carries. Five zero. Thank you. When I am done with my report, the first thing I will do is let the officer know. I appreciate that very, very much. I appreciate your support. The rest of my reports very self-explanatory. Explanatory. If you have any questions about it, I'll be glad to answer them. Uh, if you guys do not yet, and I know Sarah does, and I can't remember if I shared it with Bobby, but if you do not yet have my personal cell phone number, I thought we shared it at the orientation, but if you don't, uh, I would like to get that to you. Please don't hesitate to contact me about anything. I would much rather hear about an issue or a question sooner than later. Or if you just want to gather some information, uh, that's great. You're always welcome in my office. I happen to like sidekicks and I happen to like coffee. So if you don't mind going down there, we can chat over coffee sometimes too. And finally, if there's any piece of information, of recurring information that you would like to see in the staff report or see more or less of anything in particular, please let me know and I will include it. I did three years uh, as the research sergeant at Iowa City. I also know that there's a tendency that reports start to get generated be some, because somebody requests them and then they go on.
forever and ever and ever when nobody is actually reading them anymore. So if there's information in here that you all are not interested in or there is something that you would like to see, please let me know. I'm just trying to keep it somewhat concise. Let keep you informed about what's going on in the police department. I, I just wondered, Troy, I've been thinking about you, and, and I wondered if um, if there – I didn't want to bug you, and I was thinking I'd love to go for a ride with you just around University Heights and kind of show me the ropes, and then we can talk a little bit about parking on Marietta and stuff like that. That would be great. I would actually encourage you all to do that. Uh, unlike Iowa City, where you could probably ride eight hours and stay engaged – I hear it won't take nearly that long, and, and you know if you have 20 minutes to spare, that's great. If you have an hour to spare, that's great. Okay. If you want to ride around and then go grab a lunch at Stella and chat about what happened, that's great. But I would encourage you to do that. Uh, the weather has changed. I'm not, not out walking as much, but I have I've grabbed counselors before. Uh, for instance, Counselor Moore had concerns about football before we went into it, and I I wanted to know what the University Heights-specific concerns were. And we walked around, and she showed me those concerns. And I, I believe that we were able to proactively address some of those rather than be reactive. So, yes, Casey, I would, I would invite you to, and I would invite everybody to if they have a time and interest. Thanks very much. Anybody else? Thank you. Oh, Paul, you wanted to ask Chief something? And maybe in the future we can look at one that can be relocated. Uh, there was some discussion when I came on about doing that this time, but previous council wanted to tie it to informing visitors to the community for some of our data collection. So I agree with you, Paul. I think there would oh. be some benefit to moving it around. Yes, sir. The radar speed sign. <laughs> just four newly elected council, just a very brief history on that. Uh, flashing signs, electronic signs like that, they lose their effectiveness very, very quickly to people who drive past them every day. So that's why it's nice to be able to move them around. This sign as I went back and, and reviewed some of the records and discussed it with previous council, this sign was put up in part, we have so much commuter traffic come through. It's not there for everybody that drives by it on a daily basis. It's for those people who are coming to University Hospital or coming into the community that have just hopped off of 218 where they've been going 65 miles an hour and now they're coming down Melrose at a 35 mile an hour speed limit but probably going faster and they crest a hill and now my officers are stopping them and they're generating statistics that are possibly not proportionate to what University Heights population is. It's those visitors, those one-time or infrequent visitors to the community that don't drive down it all the time that we want to make sure that we we flash it in their face that hey we take we take speed enforcement seriously and you need to slow down, and if you don't slow down, it's not because you didn't see one of the five signs that's along along Melrose and speed signs in Melrose. You missed you missed a flashing billboard. So that's the purpose there. It's it's to help educate the guests and help keep our community safe, and and help potentially go towards that uh, more proportional statistics 
and our stops. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that. Yes. That was good. Thank, Thank you. you. And thanks, Kevin and Bill, for coming tonight. I hope you can stay a little bit. Thank you so much. Um, and building zoning and sanitation, Casey, I kind of took your stuff and moved it under my your agenda got, items. I got a report. There is some things. And uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So I go can. ahead and give your report. Well, um, and this is this was prompted um, by our meeting with our new housing inspector and by Steve's comments uh, earlier, which you know the 30% cap and such. But the idea is to make owning a single-family home in University Heights more valuable than investor-owned properties. I'm not saying we have to punish investors, and I think that's a big uh, issue. They've been taxpayers for a long time, and they're the you know, very important to this community. But more importantly, we want to improve the value of our housing stock. In that vein, we should consider a menu of options. One would be ancillary units for owner-occupants to stay in their houses longer as people age and become less able. Yes, this means they can um, rent to students, but they have to live on the premises. Second, give greater latitude to home offices allowed for two employees unless uh, uses would include insurance offices, tax preparation, attorneys, accountants, and appraisers, and name your additional professionals. Three, provide employee parking in designated areas. Four, for both owner occupants and investors, tax abate any improvements or significant renovations over $10,000. Five, encourage the development of solar energy in conjunction with Johnson County's Solarize program by, in, by providing low-interest loans that approximate our bond, bonding rate at 75% of the cost. Abate tax increases on solar improvements for 10 years. Six, communicate these changes subject to community, community input. Seven, hire administrative help for Chris and expand her responsibilities. Eight, expand our trails in the Swisher track to allow for bicycle and pedestrian access. That's a quality of life thing. And uh, I think that's the kind of, those kind of amenities attract uh, young families. Nine, these are not, uh, these are not in priority order, by the way. Um, Nine, complete our sidewalks, designate as red, amber, or green to identify priorities. Ten, reconvene Sarah's Visioning Task Force and help us identify grant funding for these projects. Eleven, find sources of income for the University Heights affiliate of the Community Foundation to foster community improvement and enhance quality of life. Twelve, set these up as sequential priorities priorities and recognition that we don't have to do everything to do anything and I th really think that's important because so many projects get stymied as a result of you know we're trying to we're going for perfection rather than just excellence Thir 13 ameliorate the chaos of game day by providing refuse containers and porta potties but don't discourage game day parking as is a critical revenue stream as vacancies approach 10%. And I guess what I'd like to do is set some kind of a goal setting session so that we can look at these things. But, but if, if our, our big concern is that right now 33% of our, our, uh, 
our housing is is rental housing, then these are the things that I think we have to consider. Now, I'm not saying we do them. I'm saying we talk about them. Uh, you add a few things in, and we try to address some of these uh, pretty serious problems. And the the last thing I, I want to say is that um, it's very important, I think, and, and uh, I use a football analogy, which uh, Lisa didn't understand, but we have to learn to block and tackle before we can throw the long pass. But I don't necessarily think, uh, you know, the basics, like infrastructure, are exclusive to some of the other things that we can do for our community. That's my report. Could you s send that to all of us? It's a, it's a real pain in the neck for me to Oh, you type, oh. But, but what I'll do is, um, by okay. the next meeting, I'll uh, get a voice-activated computer and, oh, okay. and get it done. Or you could give it to me and I could type it up. Oh sure you don't have enough to do I, I can actually I can do that I, I'm sure I can read it I, I, I can read bad handwriting if you have bad handwriting it's my handwriting is abysmal but it's no worse than a doctor yeah there you go <laughs> and or Steve Ballard's Steve? <laughs> <laughs> but he types now and uh, that's great um, and then we can talk about maybe having a subcommittee or, you know what I mean, and bring, you know, like another council member. A task force. Ta or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and, and these things, uh, I, I come up because I saw that uh, we're working on a comprehensive plan. And I just thought, you know, if we're working on a comprehensive plan and the budgeting process anyway, I'd rather not be reactive. You know, I, I'd rather take some initiatives, set our priorities, Bobby and I talked about this, um, you know, set priorities and then see how the next crisis kind of fits into those priorities. And, uh, and I think I think that uh, our having a goal setting session would be a good start. So that's something for council to consider and think about and as we move forward. Okay. Does anybody else want to comment at all? Yeah, I would be in support of something like that. And I know that the Iowa League of Cities you know, they can help with those things. I don't, yeah, help facilitate a session like that. I mean, we could, I don't know what the lead time they need or anything like that, or if we're busy at this time of year, but um, yeah, I would definitely support something like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, Do you have any experience working with the League of Cities? I know, Louise, you have at times, but I just don't know. The recent, like, training yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've been working with them recently on a, uh, I'm on a, uh, committee a small i can't think of the right name right now but you know to start up a mayors of the state of iowa and uh mayor john lindell from corville asked me to be on it because they want all size cities so we have waterloo we have corville we have university heights but we have little cities i've never heard of lorsville we have clive in near des moines so there's eight people working on that and so i know the staff pretty well and so i could I could talk to them and I could connect Casey with them too because they're very good about helping you. Steve's contacted them on many issues. I know other, you might have contacted them over the years or Chris, you know, they've, they've been, they're very helpful. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be me. It's like they're very helpful to any of us. You want to comment on it? Only, only to say they, I couldn't agree more. If you call the League of Cities, the first words are out of my mouth after I introduce myself is always, I'm with University Heights, we're a member of the league. 
Hmm. You know, because they, you know, I think they kind of take all comers, but when you say, you know, we're, we're a paying member, it means something to them. So remind okay. them of that. I, I, um, this is, by the way, Steve, I, I, I would really want you to, to see what we can do because um, I'm putting a lot out there and uh, I don't know um, 90% of the things that have gone before me. I have reviewed our last comprehensive plan, the visioning statement, Virginia's uh, uh, study on the uh, Swisher track, and, um, um, but I don't, I don't really know what's, what exactly might be legal, what isn't legal, you know, but uh, clearly the things we're doing have, di we've been, have been decided by the state that they're, they're, they won't fly. So we got to do something else. Okay. Well, thank you, Casey. Thank you. And we well, have the work session we just scheduled to, you know, kind of dovetails into that. I feel like we're going to, yeah. you know, figure out mm -hmm. how to address the, you know, rental permit situation. And so, I don't know if you bring that information to that meeting, Casey. And oh, you mean you want to add it to rental? I think that might be much. Yes. I think that might be a little too much. I mean. <coughs> Some of I'm trying to be conscious of getting you out in a timely, you know, yeah. within two hours. And, but yeah, I'll type this up and Casey and I will talk about uh, contacting them because I think it'd be good <coughs> if you spoke to them too, you know. Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah, I know you would be. And, um, and um, I just, I just think we have, yeah, keep the scope. I think we have a lot I to deal with with the rental. And this is a lot too. It's <laughs> it is a lot. I like the initiative though, and I think that just being proactive in general is I'm in favor of that. And so what I mean, I think, and I just feel like I mean, I mean, four of us are so new at this, and but it just there's so much that uh, without a little guidance, I you know, it's kind of overwhelming and figuring out. So having a template would be great, I think, if they can provide okay. that or whatever. So. Okay, I'll work on it too. Thank you. Um, anything else, Casey? That's that's it. Okay, very good. I'm glad I didn't take away all your agenda items. And I want to say that to this council. Uh, if you have agenda items that you want to talk, just call me or talk to me or text me and say, I'd like to talk to you about an agenda item for a meeting ahead, and uh, we'll talk about it, okay? And... Um, then we go to finance. Finally, we got Bobby mm -hmm. here. Discussion of uh, 21 budget. I know you've met with quite a few people too. Yeah, I'm, I don't have much of an update other than to say we'll be connecting with everyone over the next month to put preliminary numbers together so we can uh, get a draft that needs to be approved. So other than that, I don't have much. Yeah, I'll be working with you on some of those numbers too. And... Uh, I know you met with Steve Cool, and he'll be at the. Mm -hmm. Did he say he'd be at the February meeting and the March meeting? Yes. Okay. Very good. So Chris and uh, Lori will get numbers together too, and I know Troy's going to get some numbers together because we need to get that uh, going. Uh, because in February we'll be talking a lot more about the budget. I know. Well, thank you, Bobby, for. <laughs> Can I make a comment? Yeah. But one of the things I was I was a little bit confused by the budget, um, because we'd have the whole budget and we would have used up a piece of it, you know, and so that 
so that what I what I'd like to, would be be less confusing for me, and I don't know if anybody else feels this same way. And if no one else does, that's fine. We'll forget it. But if I if the budget could be split up into you know twelve months, say, so that it corresponds with the actual, then that would be helpful for me to understand where we are relative to the budget. If I'm looking at, for example. We got a half a year's of activity. We got a 12 months of a budget every year. That's easy to say. Okay, we're about halfway there, you know, because we've got six months of experience. But if I get to eight months or seven months or something, then that that calculation pretty much falls apart. All we have to do is put a a, a formula in there that um, you know considers that the budget should correspond to the time that we have a, a activity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I there's we some. We can talk. I can talk to you. Yeah. There's, okay. Great. Yeah. And I mean, there's Something some budget items that we're going to be, you know, using not on a monthly right. basis, and they're going to be right. weighted toward the end. Know, and, you know, we can we can mess with that. Okay. Thank you. Um, let's see. Now we go to e-government, Lisa. And you sent around a report. Are there any questions for Lisa? And uh, the only announcement I have is just to remember that our meeting is January 23rd, next Thursday at 7 p.m. Uh, for the rental issues. And we'll get that on the uh, website front page so people are aware of it. And uh, are there any other announcements? I just want to thank Lisa for getting me on board. Okay. If, is there any objection to adjournment? Hearing none, the meeting is adjourned by unanimous consent. Thanks, everyone. And go meet Kevin and Bill, too, if you have